Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. We will finish the second chapter of Philippians this morning. There are two other chapters yet to go. But we will look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 through 30 this morning. And we're going to examine a young man by the name of Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. It has been my privilege to have been surrounded by faithful and loyal servants of the Lord who've assisted me in pastoring this church all of these years. There have been, and there still are, critics and cynics and skeptics and scoffers, those who have been openly critical of me, my preaching, my theology, my leadership, but the Lord has seen fit to give me an exceptional tenure here that has been, I believe, spiritually fruitful and Christ-honoring. And yet I can't take credit for any of it. This is not false humility. After all that I have been and am, and all that I have been able to achieve as a minister of the gospel, I owe it to the Lord Jesus Christ. He set me aside at age 17 gifted, equipped, and empowered me through his Holy Spirit. He's blessed my 50 years in ministry, 36 of which have been spent here as your pastor, and has given to me men and women who have come alongside me, worked with me to bring people to faith, in Jesus Christ to disciple them in the Christian faith and in the Word of God and encourage them in ministry as the Holy Spirit has given them gifts and has equipped them to do. Many of these individuals you do not know. The military scattered them to the four winds years ago. Others have been led by the Holy Spirit, to minister in our country, various places in our country, and across into other countries. Six have become pastors themselves. Some have died and gone on to their eternal reward, and some remain here with us today. They are to me, 
what Epaphroditus was to the Apostle Paul. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, fellow workers, fellow, fellow soldiers, messengers of the gospel, and ministers to my needs and to the needs of others. And I thank God for them. And I thank God for their continued work in the service of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We're going to be looking at one such individual uh, in the life of the Apostle Paul. He is mentioned in chapter 2 of the book of Philippians, starting in verse 25. If you'll stand with me in honor of God's word, follow along as I read. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you, Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow Upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. This is the word of God, we pray. His blessing upon the reading of the word. You may be seated. Like Timothy, Epaphroditus was a disciple of the Apostle Paul. He was not an apostle because he had not seen the risen Christ, nor had he been commissioned by Christ to minister the gospel throughout the known world. He was not a pastor of a church. He was not an elder or a deacon in a church. There is nothing in Scripture that would lead us to believe that he accomplished anything great in the kingdom of Christ. Nothing is known of his family, his personal background, his conversion how old he was, how long he had been a Christian, when he became a disciple of the Apostle Paul, the places that he traveled with the Apostle Paul. So for all intents and purposes, Epaphroditus, like the unknown widow that we talked about last Sunday from 2 Kings chapter 4, he was a nobody. He was a nobody. But you know, God uses unsung heroes to build his kingdom in the earth and in the lives of people all around the world, does he not? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Now, the name Epaphroditus means favored by Aphrodite. 
Aphrodite was a Roman goddess, a Greek goddess, Venus, also known as Aphrodite. So he was most likely a Greek man raised in the Greek culture of his day. But like Timothy, who was part Hebrew, part Roman, and was raised to appreciate his Hebrew heritage as well as his Roman heritage, such men were important and valuable to the Apostle Paul and Peter and other individuals who were sent out by the Lord Jesus Christ to declare the gospel. They were valuable because they could relate to the various cultures and the language groups of people that they would encounter through their ministries. And this is one of the reasons why Christianity, the gospel of Jesus Christ, spread throughout the Roman Empire in the first Christian Century, Because many individuals came to faith in Jesus Christ by believing the gospel, who had various backgrounds, came from various language groups and various cultures, and then were either sent out to minister or went with people like Paul and Peter and others to minister with them in bringing the kingdom of Jesus Christ to them. But as we consider Epaphroditus, as we talked about Timothy a few Sundays back, I want to impress upon you a very important truth. And that truth is simply this. Faithful, fruitful, sacrificial service to the Lord exemplifies a humble spirit of a man or a woman who seeks only to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. Faithful, fruitful, sacrificial service to the Lord exemplifies a humble spirit of a man or woman who seeks only to honor and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Epaphroditus sought no fame or fortune, no public recognition or social or ecclesiastical prominence. He had no superior talents or gifts. He was not a noted preacher or teacher or leader. But he was a faithful servant of Jesus Christ a faithful servant of the Apostle Paul and a faithful servant of the church in Philippi. Paul recognized him as having five outstanding qualities in his life and in his ministry. He calls him, first of all, brother. He calls him co-worker. He calls him fellow soldier, he calls him messenger, and he calls him minister. Now why is that important for us to consider this morning? 
It's important because for the most part, many of us who sit in pews have the mistaken idea that ministry can only be conducted by those who have been professionally trained and called into vocational ministry as a minister, as a pastor, as a deacon, as an elder, as a missionary, as an evangelist, uh, or someone else. Rarely do we understand that every individual who calls the name Jesus Christ as their own is a minister of Jesus Christ, whoever they are, wherever they may be. Ministry is not a vocation. And in many instances, ministry is not a calling. It is an opportunity for the Christian to be engaged in the ongoing work of the kingdom of Jesus Christ right where God has planted them. And it doesn't matter if you're a male or female, doesn't matter if you're old or young, doesn't matter if you have means or not, doesn't matter if you're high on the social scale or if you're so low down nobody even recognizes you or has anything to do with you. If you know Jesus Christ, that is all that Jesus Christ requires for you to be a minister of his gospel and his kingdom in your home, in your neighborhood in your business, in your school, amongst your friends, wherever you go on vacation, whatever social activities you attend, you are a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want us to look at these five characteristics of this nobody, this individual who, if you hadn't read it here in... Philippians chapter 2, you wouldn't know anything about this guy. And yet, he was such an individual that the Apostle Paul lifted him up as an example of what every Christian should be. First of all, he calls him my brother. Not just a Christian brother, but my brother. There was a special bond between Paul and Epaphroditus that is stressed in this my brother title. He was a special disciple of the Apostle Paul. And he was a special disciple of the Apostle Paul because he took his faith in Jesus Christ seriously. He took his faith in Jesus Christ seriously. He developed his faith in the Lord and he put his faith in Christ Jesus to good use in the church at Philippi and in the service of the Apostle Paul. In other words, Epaphroditus was not an individual who called himself a Christian that was content to be a spectator on the sidelines watching everybody else do what everybody else does in the kingdom of God. He was not content to be a spectator 
But the burning desire of his heart was to get out on the playing field and to make his life count for the cause of Jesus Christ. And for that reason, the Apostle Paul said he is my brother in the Lord. We have a kindred spirit. We are bound together not only by Jesus Christ who saved us, but also by the ministry which he has entrusted to us. We serve together, and we'll get to that in a moment. My brother in Christ. Notice, secondly, he called him my fellow worker or my co-worker, Epaphroditus was sent by the church at Philippi to bring needed resources to the Apostle Paul who was in prison in Rome for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that Epaphroditus was willing to leave Philippi, and mind you, he didn't take a plane to Rome, he didn't take a train to Rome, he didn't hop in his Mercedes Benz and drive to Rome, he walked most likely to Rome, several hundred miles from Philippi to Rome. And by virtue of the fact he was willing to do this, demonstrates his courage and his faith in Christ Jesus. Now, he didn't go alone. There were other individuals that walked with him. But Paul does not mention those others who walked with him. He mentions Epaphroditus mainly because Epaphroditus stayed in Rome after he'd gotten there. He stayed in Rome and after having uh, delivered the gift that the Philippian church, uh, the offering that they took up for the Apostle Paul, he stayed to work with the Apostle Paul and most likely with Timothy in the church in Rome. Most likely encouraging the brothers and sisters in that God-forsaken city, evangelizing the people of Rome, discipling new Christians in the faith, as well as continuing to minister to the Apostle Paul while he was in prison. Because Paul called him my fellow worker, it's understood That whatever the Apostle Paul wanted Epaphroditus to do, Epaphroditus was more than willing to do. Whatever it was that Paul wanted him to do. There was no task too great or small. There was no task too easy or dangerous for Epaphroditus. He was willing to do whatever Paul asked him to do. He was willing to do whatever was required of him by the church in Rome or even by whatever Timothy would have him do. So because of this, there was this special relationship between Paul and Epaphroditus. It was built on love. It was built on trust. It was built on respect. It was built upon commitment to Jesus Christ and to the gospel. 
Now, mind you, insofar as reputation, insofar as churchmanship is concerned, there was no equal to the Apostle Paul. Uh, In the minds of most people, you know, the Apostle Paul ranks right up there with Jesus. And in many Baptist churches, if you've been around Baptist churches much, um, at least when I was a kid growing up, we spoke more of the Apostle Paul than we did of Jesus. I mean, he was a hero. Probably because we could relate to the Apostle Paul more than we could relate to Jesus. But in the minds of a lot of Christians, the Apostle Paul is one of the great luminaries of Christian history. And yet, the Apostle Paul looked upon this layman. He looked upon this church person who was not a pastor, who was not an elder, who was not a deacon, but just a common, ordinary Christian person in the local church at Philippi. He looked upon him as an equal. He looked upon him, he elevated him to the status of being an individual that Paul could stand and look eyeball to eyeball with. He didn't look upon Epaphroditus as a flunky. He didn't look upon Epaphroditus as being less than he was. He looked upon Epaphroditus as a valuable servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, equal to the Apostle Paul in all that Jesus Christ would have him do. Third, he was a fellow soldier. He was a fellow soldier. The word sustratiotes, it means to associate with struggle and with conflict. Sustratiotes, fellow soldier. Now, what does that mean? And how does that flesh out in the Apostle Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus? Well, at the point in which this letter was written, and at the time when Epaphroditus had arrived in Rome to visit the Apostle Paul, he was chained to a soldier in prison. The Apostle Paul had been arrested, and he was going to stand before the emperor and give an account of this Jesus Christ that he preached and taught. But until the time when he would stand before the emperor, and maybe even as he stood before the emperor, he was in chains. He was a prisoner chained to a soldier in prison, a situation that was dangerous, difficult, and demeaning. Paul gloried in the fact that he could suffer for Jesus Christ as a prisoner of Christ. But not everybody and not a lot of Christians who were in the city at that time gloried in the the Apostle Paul's imprisonment. As a matter of fact, there were some Christian preachers out and around that would come by and visit the Apostle Paul and criticize him and condemn him for being in such a position as a prisoner. So it was dangerous, yes. He could have died in prison. 
It was difficult, yes, because he had no freedom to go about his business in fulfilling the calling of Jesus Christ in his life. It was demeaning, yes, because he was criticized and ridiculed, even by Christian brothers and sisters, for being in prison. And all of this came, again, as a result of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with lost souls, with overtly pagan people, with foreigners, many of whom the Apostle Paul did not know their native languages or their cultures. By sharing the gospel of Jesus with not only the women that gathered by the riverside or the men out in the marketplace, but also with fellow Jews who would attend synagogue on the Sabbath. And then even the high officials, Felix and Festus, and eventually the emperor of Rome. He shared the gospel with the wealthy and with the poor. He shared the gospel with the, with the religious as well as the irreligious individuals. He was laughed at. He was mocked. He was arrested. He was beaten. He was threatened. And on one occasion, he was taken outside the city and was stoned and left for dead. But such struggles... And such conflicts didn't deter him, nor did it deter those who were with him. The Apostle Paul did not go on his missionary journeys alone, by the way. He had friends who went along with him. Luke, the physician, Timothy, Silas, on his first missionary journey, Barnabas, Titus. Some other individuals who went along with the Apostle Paul. And as he would face opposition, and as he would suffer for the gospel's sake, so would they. They would also be involved in the sufferings that were brought upon those who preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, verses 8 through 11, you don't need to turn there, but just listen. The Apostle Paul says, We are hard-pressed. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And he stated at the beginning of this pericope, he said, we have this treasure in earthly vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed. Now this is not an editorial we. Paul is not speaking about himself and drawing attention to himself. This we is a testimony of those who ministered with the Apostle Paul and to the Apostle Paul as he spent his life taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the known world. I want you to note verse 26 and 27. 
In Philippians chapter 2, the apostle writes, Since he was longing, speaking of Epaphroditus, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. While Epaphroditus was with the apostle Paul in Rome, he fell ill. We don't know what the illness was. It's not mentioned. But the word astheneo, the Greek word astheneo, refers to a serious weakness in him. A serious weakness in him. And it was so severe that he almost died. If it had not been for the grace of God, he would have died. Word had gotten back to the church at Philippi that their beloved friend and fellow servant Epaphroditus had taken ill. And the illness was critical. And so they were worried about Epaphroditus. And word had gotten back to Paul and to Epaphroditus that the church in Philippi was worried about Epaphroditus. And that caused him grave concern. He was worried about them because they were worried about him. And the apostle Paul was worried about Epaphroditus as the Philippian church was worried about Epaphroditus. And so he was worried about him and they were together worried about them. And they were worried about Paul and about Epaphroditus. And this caused great distress in the hearts and the minds of not only Epaphroditus, but the Apostle Paul. He states that, therefore, he said, For indeed he was sick almost unto death. God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Paul recognized that Epaphroditus was very, very ill and could very well have died, and that would have grieved the heart of the Apostle Paul for this Christian layman who risked his life to bring the love and the care and the concern as well as the monetary gift to him from the church at Philippi. What a marvelous testimony. (laughs) Now, we know that churches love their pastors and we know that churches love their elders and churches love their deacons but here is a church that loved a fellow church member that's all he was a Christian layman in the church a member of the body of Christ and they were so concerned about him because of their great love for him Would to God that that kind of love for each other permeated the church and every local church. And the reason I state that is because Jesus himself told the disciples, the world is going to know that you are my disciples because of what? Your love one for another. If Christian people loved each other, as Jesus loved the disciples, as the disciples loved Jesus, as the Philippian church loved Epaphroditus, as Epaphroditus loved the Philippian church, and as they together loved the Apostle Paul and he loved them all, if all Christians in the local churches loved each other as Scripture tells us to be, the world would have been one to Jesus Christ centuries ago. 
But one of the reasons why the church continues to lose ground to a culture that is godless, anti-Christ, and going to hell in a handbasket as quickly as possible is because there is not only conflict out in our world, my friends, there is conflict in the church. We do not love each other as we ought to love each other. We do not care about each other as the Philippian church cared about Epaphroditus, as the Philippian church cared about the Apostle Paul. His situation was such in the church at Philippi that he became a beloved church member. And when word got to them of his illness, they were gravely concerned about him. That distress bothered him. And he desired to go to be with them, not because he was homesick, and not because he couldn't hack it in Rome with the Apostle Paul. He desired to go back to Philippi to put their anxiety at ease and to minister to them so that they would not be distressed over him. And so the Apostle Paul sent Epaphroditus back home to Philippi. The Lord told Ananias, Acts chapter 9, the Lord told Ananias, who was a Christian up in Damascus, that Paul, or at that time he was called Saul, was in a house on the street called Straight. And he was to stay there because he had been blinded when he encountered Christ on the Damascus road. And that Ananias was to go to Saul and to minister to him. We talked about this earlier. And that he was to convey to the apostle, who, to Saul, who would become the apostle Paul, he was to convey to him the things that he would suffer in the name of Jesus Christ. And as we read through the book of Acts, and as we read through the letters of the Apostle Paul, again, we, are, we come to the understanding that those who ministered with Paul suffered along with Paul in the ministry that was entrusted to him. I went to Bible college back when Noah was building the ark. And I went to college with several guys who were studying for the ministry, pastoral ministry, only because they were mama called and papa sent. Guys who went into ministry because they had nothing better to do. They had nothing better to do. Some became pastors because they thought the pay was very good for working one or two hours a week. Most, if not all of them, didn't last very long when they graduated from college. 
And it's not because we face the oppression and the opposition and persecution that the Apostle Paul or Peter or James or John faced. It wasn't because of that that they quit the ministry. But we do suffer in ministry if we do it right. If we do it according to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, we do suffer in ministry. Long hours, sleepless nights, praying for those who are suffering in our fellowship. We suffer burnout, criticism, stress, and not to mention the spiritual warfare that we engage in day after day after day in bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world, in trying to help Christians grow in their faith when they are resistant to that discipleship, enlisting, trying to enlist and trying to nurture and trying to train individuals to engage in ministry in the church when they have other things that they would rather do. It can be stressful. Even to the point that it would cause some to even question their calling. But the Lord upholds us as he did Epaphroditus with his grace and with his mercy. And he gives us strength to carry on the work until that work in us and through us has been completed. So we are called. We are called in Christ Jesus to be brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're called to be co-workers in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherever he sends us, wherever we're planted, we're called to be fellow soldiers in his spiritual kingdom. Engaging in spiritual warfare that we might bring the light of Christ into a sin-darkened world. We're called to suffer. We're called to sacrifice because we're called to serve the Lord Jesus. We do not do it because we're pastors. We do not do it because we're elders. We do not do it because we're deacons or evangelists or missionaries. We do it because we're Christians. We do it because we're followers of Jesus Christ and we're members of the body of Christ. Fourth, Epaphroditus was your messenger. Your messenger. He was a messenger from the church at Philippi to the Apostle Paul. And he was also a messenger from the Apostle Paul back to the church at Philippi, bearing this letter to the Philippian church that they might hear the words of Paul, understand Paul's situation, and be encouraged by the Apostle Paul through this letter that Epaphroditus would bring back to them. The word is apostolos. And it's translated into the English apostle. But Epaphroditus was not a, an apostle as the apostle Paul was an apostle. Paul was a messenger. 
He was a delegate. He was an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. Epaphroditus was a messenger from the church to Paul and from Paul back to the church. He told Paul what was going on in Philippi, in the church at Philippi, how the gospel was impacting the city, what was going on inside the church, what issues they were facing. He brought their offering to the apostle. And he helped minister to his needs while he was in prison. He assisted the apostle Paul and Timothy as they labored together, not only in the city of Rome, but also in the Christian church at Rome. So he was, in that respect, an apostle. Fifth and finally, he was... A minister. Liturgos. From which we get the English word liturgy. He was a minister. Now today, the word minister, as I stated earlier, is thought of as professional or vocational ministry. And only a select few individuals in the church have that calling. No. Not in the biblical sense. Maybe in the liturgical sense, yes. But in the biblical sense, all of us are called to be ministers. Christian ministers of the gospel. Paul ministered to Timothy. And Timothy ministered to Paul. Paul ministered to Dr. Luke. And Dr. Luke ministered to the Apostle Paul. Epaphroditus ministered in the church at Philippi. And then to the Apostle Paul and then to Timothy, and then to Dr. Luke, and then to the church in Rome, just as they ministered to him. And he in turn went back to Philippi and ministered to the church there. He was a minister, not vocationally, not professionally. He was a minister because he was a Christian. And he was a member of the local church. And he wanted to put his faith in Jesus Christ to work in that local church to the honor and to the glory of Jesus Christ. He wasn't a pastor, he wasn't an elder, he wasn't a deacon, he was a layman. He was just a member of the local church. Faithful, fruitful, sacrificial service to the Lord exemplifies a humble spirit. A humble spirit in a man or a woman who seeks only to honor and to serve Jesus Christ. That was Epaphroditus. That could be you. And for some of you, it is you. He was not a professional or vocational minister. He was a faithful, fruitful, sacrificial servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the Apostle Paul. He was so passionate about his ministry. He was so passionate about his faith. He was so passionate about his love for Jesus and the church and the Apostle Paul that it became his own. He owned it. And he willingly left Philippi to go to Rome and left Rome to go back to Philippi on his own accord. He didn't ask the church to fund the, the, the trip. He didn't ask the Apostle Paul to take a little bit of the money that the Philippian church gave him, to take a little off the top so he'd have enough money to go back home. No, he made that ministry his own. 
without any thought of remuneration or stipend or salary. He may have received some, but he never asked for it. He wanted to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a man who was valuable to the Apostle Paul. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the service, I've had men and women in my life who have come alongside me, stood with me, just as Epaphroditus did the Philippian church and the Apostle Paul. Serve, minister, work, fight the spiritual warfare. And they were, and they are, dear people in my life. Epaphroditus was valuable to the Apostle Paul as a fellow Christian. And no doubt the Apostle Paul was sad to see Epaphroditus leave Rome and go back to the Philippian church. He had accomplished so much in Rome and was such a blessing to the Apostle Paul. But Epaphroditus was also valuable to the church in Philippi as a fellow Christian. No doubt they were excited to send him to Rome to minister to to the Apostle Paul there. No doubt they were excited to learn that Epaphroditus was coming back home to minister to them from the Apostle Paul. He was a prized member of that local church. Note what the Apostle Paul says in closing, verses 29 and 30. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness. Receive him with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. You know what that means? It means highly regard this man as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and a fellow servant of the Apostle Paul. Esteem him. Because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. May that be. May that be the continuing testimony of this church. And every member of this church to be fellow Christians, brothers and sisters in the Lord to each other, co-workers in the kingdom of Christ, fellow soldiers in the spiritual warfare that we fight day in and day out, messengers of the Lord Jesus Christ and ministers of His kingdom to each other and to this community and beyond this community to the world. And this we will do to the honor of Jesus Christ, to His glory, and by His grace and mercy. Amen? Amen. And amen. Stand with me. David, come and lead us as we dismiss in a song. I am glad to be part of the family of God, and as we sing this, let's personalize it in our hearts, that I am glad to be a part of the family of God in Winton, in this fellowship. Let's sing. I'm so glad I'm a part
Now, our Father, I pray that each and every one of us will be mindful of the presence of your Holy Spirit with us as we leave this house of worship and instruction. May we go out bearing the good news of Jesus' cross to our lost and dying world. Help us, Lord God, not to be afraid, but to be bold. Help us, Lord, not to be timid, but to declare openly and clearly the good news of Jesus Christ to every individual who needs to hear of the Savior, who died for them on the cross, that they might live in Him forever. Father, we pray your continued blessing upon our church and the ministry of our church here in this community and beyond this community throughout the county, the state, the nation, and even across the world. All to the honor and to the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord, I pray. And all of God's people said, God bless you and have a great day in the Lord. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.